Uh, friends, let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and therefore the actions of our lives in the coming days be pleasing to you, our Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, friends, when you want to uh, meet with people uh, or they want to meet with you, it is often necessary to go somewhere, perhaps to a special place. This is especially true if they are important people, uh, like the Mayor or the, or the Premier or the Prime Minister. It is doubtful that they would come to your home, as saying they're chill. No, one would, if invited, go to where they are. Uh, since most people seem to have stopped doing house calls these days, if you want to meet with, say, a doctor, uh, you'll probably need to go to their medical centre, or, or, or ED. <laughs> The point is, to meet with important people, you usually have to go to a particular place. Uh, there is only so much one can do over the phone. But what about God himself? Uh, does the same principle apply? Do we have to go to a special place to meet with him? Well, as we look around today's world, the answer to this question in most people's minds seems to be a clear yes. Uh, religion abounds in many flavours and colours and most of them have temples or shrines where people go believing that by going they are meeting with their God. Uh, Hinduism, uh, Buddhism, Confucianism, uh, Taoism, Shintoism and Islam are all religions which involve temples and or shrines to which the people go to meet with their particular brand of God. And of course... This idea of a temple being the place where God lives is also present in the Old Testament of our own Bible. For example, after the days of the tabernacle, uh, I call it the mobile canvas temple, uh, Israel took possession of the promised land and King David, realising that whilst he lived in a nice house, <laughs> do you live in a nice house? Uh, with, made with cedar, the Lord was still under canvas so to speak, and so he offered to build a more permanent home for God. Uh, God knocked his offer back, uh, telling him he still had a lot of conquering to do, and so David's son Solomon eventually got the job. Uh, the first temple being built in Jerusalem around 975 BC, hence the name, some of you might know, Solomon's Temple. Uh, once again, the idea that the temple was the place where God was present was very strong indeed. Uh, when the temple was finished, Solomon offered up a prayer of dedication and God replied to him with these very words that were part of the first Bible reading today brought by Evan. Quote, The Lord said to him, I've heard the prayer and plea you have made before me. I've consecrated this temple which you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 3. And to that we would say great stuff. Great stuff indeed. You're cold, are you, Tony? <laughs> but that's not all God says. And perhaps you know that. Uh, he goes on to say, quote, 
But, I love that word, but. <laughs> if you or your descendants turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I've given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, I will cut off Israel from the land I've given them and reject this temple I've consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples. This temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled and will scoff and say, why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple? People will answer, because they have forsaken the Lord their God who brought their ancestors out of Egypt and have embraced other gods worshipping and serving them. That is why the Lord brought all this disaster on them. 1 Kings 9, verses 6 to 9. Which is, of course, what sadly happened. Israel did just what God said they shouldn't do. And so they are cast into exile and the temple is destroyed. It becomes a heap of rubble, just as he said. After returning from exile, it was uh, rebuilt a number of times. And as Jesus walked the earth, King Herod was only about two-thirds, you could say, of the way into yet another massive rebuilding program, 46 years into it, to be precise, John chapter 2, verse 20, uh, from, also from today's second Bible reading. So then the idea that the temple was a special place where you went to meet with God has solid roots in the Old Testament. And so when Jesus strides into Jerusalem and sees what the people are now doing in the building which represents his father's place of meeting, he is filled with righteous anger. When he sees his holy place being defiled for such obvious selfish gain, uh, we're told that he makes up a whip and sets about the traders and money changers with a vengeance. He basically says, get out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a shop, into a supermarket, where the only concern is your profit. It's uh, very interesting to note well, I think it is, <laughs> that the Jewish leaders actually don't take him to task for doing this. They simply ask him to give them a sign that would authorise his action. Yes, very interesting indeed. You see, the Jews were looking and waiting for the Messiah and are here seeking a sign which would perhaps validate Jesus as the one. The one who has the authority to do such a thing. We are told in verse 18, the Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? They were after a tangible sign, a sign they could understand, but Jesus' response is one that they cannot understand. In the very next verse, Jesus answered them, this is the sign, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. You can almost hear their thoughts. This bloke's a nutter. 
The lights are on, but nobody is home. Doesn't he know that it's already taken 46 years to build this temple? And he says he's going to raise it in three days. Even his own disciples didn't understand what he meant until after his resurrection. In verse 22, we are told, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what had happened and what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. After his resurrection, Jesus' followers came to understand that the temple he had spoken of was not the bricks and mortar variety. The temple he had spoken of was his very body. Verse 21. You see, what was actually happening here was something massively stupendous. On this very day when Jesus enters Jerusalem, the days of the temple functioning as a place where God met with his people and where his people met with him were almost over. Wow. Talking about wow, Craig. In a limited way, the uh, temple had functioned as a focus for Judaism. It had provided a centre for national and religious life. And it had been the place in Jerusalem where sin was dealt with through the ritual of the Old Testament sacrificial system. But those days were over, or almost over. As I said, wow. And I have been there. As you know, I've travelled everywhere. <laughs> and those days there are certainly now gone. Like many things in the Old Testament, in its essence, the temple building was chiefly symbolic. Like many things in the Old Testament, it too was a precursor to Christ. Yes, like many things in the Old Testament, the temple building was a paradigm of and appointed to the person and work of Jesus Christ. You see, when Christ came, he didn't just supersede or replace the temple. He fulfilled its function to perfection. As he was resurrected, never to die again, he himself became the perfect temple. Remember the idea of a temple is where we go to meet with God? Question, and where do Christians now meet with God? Answer, we meet with God in the resurrected Christ. That's where. Uh, the temple was also the place where sacrifice was made for sin and Jesus perfectly fulfilled that function too. When he died on the cross, he became the perfect sacrifice for one sin. Once and for all, we are told. And that is a, right, that's a 727. <laughs> Hebrews 727. The actual physical bricks and mortar temple in Jerusalem was eventually destroyed for what would some say the final time about 40 years after Jesus ascended to heaven. 
But that was of no importance then and is of no importance now. Its work was done. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, John 19.30, that has a lot of consequences. Uh, the physical temple is no longer the focal point of one's relationship with God. Jesus is. Men and women no longer have to go to a special place to meet with God. We meet him in Jesus Christ. Uh, talking about baptism, in our case a child's baptism, Noah, Peter, Leitner meets God where? In Jesus Christ. Later in John's Gospel, something we will look at when we, God willing, go to Northern Outlook in three weeks' time. Uh, Jesus says to the woman by the well these words, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what, we, what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. John chapter 4 verses 21 to 23. The new temple has been raised up. The new point at which people and God meet is the resurrected Christ. And so special buildings are no longer necessary as meeting places. In John's picture of the new heaven and the new earth in Revelation chapter 21, he expressly tells us that there is no sign of an old temple because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the new temple. Revelation 21.22 And this is something which we need to be very mindful of in 2023. In what many are saying is the very end times in which we live. You see, we meet with God in the resurrected Christ, not in special buildings. Believing buildings to somehow be special leads to all sorts of trouble. Holding buildings too close can lead to all kinds of trouble. It is a danger for all Christians. And so to have to walk away from a church building is a very big thing indeed. And many, can I say, in recent years have done exactly that. I personally know more than 100 people who have in cans. Friends, we need to know that we can together meet with God equally as well in our own homes, in our offices, in our garages, under a mango tree, <laughs> or at Northern Outlook. I even know of some Christians who are renting a hall so as to meet each week. <laughs> 
we mustn't view our buildings as somehow being holy, being temples, because that leads into worshipping them, which, of course, is idolatry. At one level, it's no different. Yes, at one level, it's no different to the golden calf, which the people of old worshipped whilst Moses was up on the mountain. In fact, the building is not even the church. God, Jesus and his people are. When Jesus speaks of his resurrected body being the new temple in John chapter 2, I think he means, means that in the literal way, dare I say physical sense, speaking of his own resurrection. But in the wider sense, we, the church, are also the body of Christ. And we too are also spoken of as the temple which God now dwells. Therefore, the use of the idea of temple in the New Testament is very flexible. Not only does the Bible present Jesus as the temple, another picture of the temple is us. Whilst we now meet with God in the risen Christ, having met with him and having been transformed and filled with the Holy Spirit, we Christians become the temple in two senses. Firstly, as individuals. In the Bible, we're therefore told, do you not know that your bodies, yes, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. 1 Corinthians 6.19 We ourselves individually become the temples of the Holy Spirit and that is what we prayed for Noah. That is, God enters into us and makes his home individually in each, each of us. Hence why we need to also honour God with our physical bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. Secondly, the Bible tells us that also corporately we, the church, are the body of Christ. We are the new structure, the new building. We are now the living stones erected on and around the chief cornerstone of Christ. Uh, we are told in the Bible that as we come to Jesus, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, we also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. So we meet with God in the resurrected Christ. That is the new temple. Amazing we are both individually the temple of the Holy Spirit and corporately the church, the dwelling in which God chooses to now live. Uh, we're therefore told in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, this. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, may I add uh, from Kansas or wherever we're from, but consequently you are now fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus or Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord and in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. 
Let me conclude. Temples are all about religion. Christianity is all about a relationship. Temples are all about a ritual. Christianity is all about a restoration and a reconciliation with God. Temples can become objects of worship. The Christian object of worship must be and is the true and living God. Temples are usually all about ongoing sacrifices for our sins, trying to please angry gods. But Christianity is all about giving thanks and giving praise to a God whose very own son, once and for all, took the punishment we deserve for our sins. Yes, temples are dead things, but Jesus Christ is alive. Christianity is therefore not about dead buildings and turgid formality. Christianity is about a living faith in the person of Jesus and a joyful celebration in the freedom from sin that he has now won for us. Sadly, and I say this, sadly the Jews didn't understand what Jesus came to do. I hope we all do. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Trevor. Uh, if you do want to speak with Trevor a little later on about what he's shared with us this morning, feel free to do that over morning tea. Uh, we are going to sing again now.